You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you had a great weekend. These next few weeks are the biggest week in sports for me in any calendar year. We are in the depths of March Madness. So much to talk about in regards to what happened this past weekend, what's coming up this week. An incredible game tonight that I know maybe 1% of you even care about. I'm going to lay it out there for you on why I will be watching this tonight. Also got some NBA talk. Unfortunately, John Morant in some hot water. The NBA standings, don't know if you've been paying attention, but look who's moving up the boards already. And like I said, a lot of college basketball talk, and we will get to that momentarily. All right, let's first start off with the NBA. And talking about John Morant and what happened this past weekend, he went on his own Instagram Live, was at a club, and flashed a gun. I don't know why he did this. It's a horrible look. He released a statement saying he apologizes for letting his friends, his family, his team, the organization down. So I guess that's a start. He's going to miss the next two games. But I don't know if those next two games, they certainly weren't mandated by the league. Those are, it seems like the team has just said, Jaw's going to take the next two games off to get his head straight, essentially. But I think the league is going to step in and give him a suspension on top of that. I don't know how many games this is going to get. And the thing with Jaw and the thing with this particular incident is that it's not like a stranger or a rando happened to be recording Jaw at a club and caught this. That's why it's as bad as it is. Because this guy had the wherewithal to go on his own Instagram Live, on his own phone, turn the camera around on himself, and flash the gun. And that, obviously, is a horrible mistake. And you wonder if there's something else going on here. Because now we're hearing stories of this isn't the first time he has brandished a gun in front of other people. So... You heard a lot of talking heads speak about this yesterday, and there isn't really much I can add to this other than to say this guy is one of the up-and-coming stars in the NBA. And if he doesn't straighten himself out, you just you don't want to think of the things that could possibly happen. He's literally beloved in the NBA for how young and explosive he is, the highlights he puts on, taking Memphis to places that they're one of the favorites in the Western Conference, even though they're still sitting in the two seed, which is unbelievable to me, they are struggling in the last few weeks in the NBA. They're probably not going to stay at the two seed when the playoffs start, but You can't have your point guard, the face of your franchise, the team leader doing stuff like this off the court. It's just not going to fly ever. You know, he released that statement yesterday. All we can do is take it at face value. He apologized. And as I say, with all public statements and public apologies, they're just words. Right now, they're just words. It's what he does from this point forward that will determine how serious and how sincere that apology was. I don't know. We can't predict the future. 
But I would hate to see this guy go down a bad road and he's out of the league in a few years or he's constantly a troublemaker and getting suspended. I'm hoping this was just, you know, bravado on his point, on his part, just kind of bragging. Yes, it's very dumb. Like, Steve, why would you brag with a gun in a club? Look, I can't possibly fathom what it's like to live in Ja Morant's shoes and where he comes from, which is not a lot, to be given so much money and to be so popular and to be so praised at such a young age, you have a lot of people hanging around you that want a piece of you. And it's just a matter of how you handle that. Some people handle it better than others. He hasn't even gotten, I don't believe Jaw has signed his big contract yet. That's coming. So when he gets even more money and hundreds of millions of dollars, the crew that he once ran with are going to be wanting a piece of him. And it's just a matter of, can you manage those people in your life? Happens a lot in the NBA and the NFL when people who came from nothing end up getting rich. Some of them splurge. Some of them can't get rid of their friends who aren't any good for them. I thought Jalen Rose made an excellent point this week on NBA Countdown. What he said, there's only four, pe- four types of people in your life. People who add to your life, people who subtract from your life, people who multiply from your life, and people who divide your life. Four types of friends. Add, subtract, multiply, and divide. It's a very interesting statement by Jalen, but it couldn't be more true. And Jaw's at a point in his career now where he probably needs to determine who really needs to stay on in his inner circle. But I don't think the story is over. Like I said, he's taking two games off. The NBA, I'm sure, is going to come down with some sort of fine. They don't want any of their players going live and brandishing a gun in a club. So they're going to step in and give him probably two or three more games on, on top of the two that Memphis is sitting him out on. So this story isn't going away. We'll probably be hearing more of it in the coming days. Now, have you looked at the NBA standings? Yesterday, great game. I talked about this game a few weeks ago when Kevin Durant got traded to the Suns. Remember I told you I was looking to put my tickets up for sale because they were part of my package, my half-season package, to have the Dallas Suns game on Sunday, March 5th. And once Durant got traded, I went into the ticket store and put them up for sale, and it said seats similar to mine were selling for 500 each. Well, wasn't quite that much, but I did sell them for 275 each. So that was good. I didn't go to the game yesterday. I didn't want to. Not at noon. I don't need to be going into games at noon on Sundays. <laughs> but great game. The Phoenix Suns are undefeated with Kevin Durant. They are going to be a bear to deal with come playoff time. They have currently moved up to the four seed. They are only two games behind the Sacramento Kings for the three seed, and they're only three and a half behind Memphis. Now, granted, there's only about 17 18 games left, but three and a half behind Memphis, who's going to be without jaw for at least two more games, a Memphis team that hasn't been playing well recently. And you got a Suns team that is the defending best team in the Western Conference. And look at where they're at now, adding Kevin Durant. Like he was unstoppable yesterday. I could have told you the Mavericks were going to have an answer for him. And the Mavericks are doing what exactly what I said they were going to do when they got Kyrie Irving at the trading deadline is they're going to have to beat teams 133-129. to Yesterday they lost 130-126. A 
Luka and Kyrie, great again. Both put up over 30 points. Wonderful. You can't stop anybody. When you get to the playoffs and you play the same team possibly seven times over a two-week span, they're going to know every single thing about you, and it's going to come down to can you get stops in important moments in the game. And the Mavericks have proven for the first, oh, I don't know, 65 games of the season, they can't. They're averaging 114 points a game. They're giving up 113.2. So that's only going to get you so far. Now, could they beat the Sacramento Kings in the first round of the playoffs? Yes, they could. Could they also be in the play-in tournament and not even make the playoffs? Absolutely. Because the West is just kind of a joke right now in terms of the seeding. Seedings 5 through 10 are separated by three games. Excuse me, 5 through 11 are separated by three games. So, I mean, right now the Lakers are tied for the 10 seed. Right now, Utah would have the tiebreaker over them, but they have the same record as Utah. And the Lakers are playing way better than the Jazz are right now. So, it's interesting to see them moving up. And Golden State, even though they lost yesterday to the Lakers, they got Steph back. So, they're at 34-31. and 31. They are in the five-hole in the Western Conference right now. So, you got to figure they're probably going to be a four or a five seed. Their biggest problem is they can't win on the road. They are now 7-24 and 24 on the road this year, but 27-7 and seven at home. And being at the 4-5 or five seed, if they're the 5 seed, they're not going to have home court advantage in any series that they play, barring someone lower than them upsetting a higher seed. So that's going to be their problem. Can they turn it on come the playoffs? Because they are such a veteran team, we shall see. Most people think you can't. And I read you the stats last week that your last whatever NBA champions, I don't know, over 20 or something or ever since 2000, every NBA champion has come from the one, two, or three seed in either the Western or Eastern Conference. So that means Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings. But I think we all think the Suns are going to get to the uh, in the top three this year. So keep that in mind. It's going to be an interesting last 17, 18 games in the NBA season. All right. You know I love college basketball. You know this is my time of year. This is what I love the most. Conference tournaments that lead into first weekend of college basketball and the NCAA tournament. It's the best weekend of the year. Nobody can tell me otherwise. Opening weekend of the NFL is great for one day. You get 10 games in the morning and three games in the afternoon on one day. On Thursday, March 16th, I'll be sitting in the sports book at the Venetian watching 16 games on Thursday and 16 games on Friday. And of those 32 games, I'd say probably at least half of them, when you incorporate the point spread and the over-under, even if the game is a 20-point difference, it's going to possibly have an outcome where you're going to be watching towards the end. It's the best part. It's the best, it's the best sports weekend, period. Better than any sports weekend. Super Bowl. Certainly the NBA Finals, World Series. Nobody's going to Vegas to be like, oh, I want to watch the World Series. (laughs) I want to watch the NBA Championship. No, you're going to March Madness for Super Bowl. You're going to Vegas for Super Bowl or March Madness or maybe a fight. And that's pretty cool. But again, those are only one game, one event instances. March Madness is literally, I mean, technically it started this past week. So you got two weeks of conference tournaments, then Two weeks of games and then the Final Four weekend. So it's almost a, f- a full month 
That's why they call it March Madness. Anyway, there's something that's happening tonight. And I don't think people outside of Greenville, South Carolina, or Chattanooga, Tennessee probably even care, but I do because I'm such a college basketball nerd. The SOCON Conference Tournament Championship is tonight. Tennessee Chattanooga against Furman. It is a rematch from last year's SOCON Championship Tournament game where Furman took a two-point lead with four seconds left. Chattanooga did not call a timeout, inbounded the ball. The point guard literally crossed half court and with three guys on him threw up a probably a 40-footer that went in, sending Furman home to not play in the tournament. And Chattanooga did get to the tournament where they almost upset Illinois. They lost by one in the first round. So here's Furman. They have waited one year for tonight's game. And three players on that team all came back. J.P. Pegues, Mike Bothwell, and Jalen Slauson. Like, like I said, outside of you attending those schools or being an alumni or something, you probably don't care too much. It starts at 6 o'clock Central Time, which means the first hour I'm going to be able to watch, the second hour will be on in the background as I'm watching The Bachelor. But, man, this is what college basketball is all about because, you know, in the NFL you lose in the playoffs. Okay. We'll get them next year. College basketball, the SOCON tournament is sending one team to the NCAA tournament, and that's the winner of the conference championship tournament, conference tournament championship. So now Furman has dominated the league all season, 26-7. and seven. I think they went 15-3. and three. Chattanooga is not nearly as good as they were last year. I think they're 18-14 or something like that. They're the seventh seed. Last year it was one versus two. So should Furman win? Yes. But all the pressure is on them, and they know this because they're expected to win. People want them to win after last season. Hell, they almost blew it yesterday against the Leathernecks from Western Carolina. They had a 20-point second-half lead, and they were down by two with barely any time left. And the game ended up going to overtime, and they won it in overtime. But... I'm telling you right now, I want Furman to win this game so bad because this is what makes college basketball the best sport to watch. To get that redemption story and to a year later avenge that loss where you literally got beat on a fluke. He didn't even shoot it. He chucked it. And all the credit to him, he made it. But the heartbreak on those kids' faces to know they're not going to the dance because somebody hit a crazy 40-footer at the buzzer on them and they get to avenge that same exact team this year, a year later, and those guys all came back, Pegues, Bothwell, and Slauson. Man, well, I don't, actually, I don't know if Pegues did. Bothwell and Slauson certainly were on the team last year. Maybe Pegues didn't play as much last year. I'm not sure on him. However, I'm sorry. I'm rooting for the Dens tonight. I love the fact that their jerseys say Dens on them, short for the Paladins. That is just – just like I jumped on the St. Peter's bandwagon last year and even ended up getting a T-shirt of St. Peter's, the, Pe- the Peacocks, when they made their Elite Eight run, I'm all over the Paladins, everyone. 
And the other reason I want them to win is because I absolutely have them as my team that's going to sit right at the 11, 12, or 13 seed, and they are going to pull an upset. They are going to beat whoever they play in the first round, I think, if they can get by tonight, because I almost feel like there's more pressure on them tonight than there will be in round one of the NCAA tournament. Now, I, I might change my mind if I see the matchup, but I really think this threesome of Pegues, Bothwell, and Slauson are really, really good. Really good. I've watched them play four or five times now this season. I, They're going to make some noise. And if they don't win in the tournament, they're not getting blown out. They're going to take some team down to the wire, and I think they can win. So look for that. Furman against UT Chattanooga tonight. SoCon Conference, it starts at 6 p.m. Central Time. It's either on ESPN or ESPN2. More bad news for the Tennessee Volunteers. I hate doing this. I hate doing I feel like I'm talking about Tennessee basketball every single time, but once again, they lost to Auburn. They now have five straight road losses to end the season. They've lost to Kai Ziegler for at least a year with a torn ACL. They went 0 for 7 from the field in their last seven minutes of the game against Auburn. I, I, I just can't. First off, they shouldn't even be a four seed anymore. They should drop to a five or six. But, hey, committee, you want to leave them at four or five? Uh, there's just a 13 or a 12 seed just waiting to interrupt, interrupt them, uh, waiting to upset them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If they drop Tennessee to a five and they put Furman at the 12 seed, I might take out a mortgage and put it all on the Paladins. Holy shit. I don't, don't even, don't even tempt me with Furman, Tennessee in the first round. I don't think any mock drafts currently have that, but the mock drafts are just about the teams that you're probably going to see. It doesn't necessarily mean all the seedings are correct, but oh man, if I see a, if I see a Furman, Tennessee matchup, I'm going to wet my pants <laughs> because I don't care what the line is. They might set Tennessee as a one-point favorite. It won't be a one, but they probably should be because Furman can beat that team any day of the week and twice on Sundays. They are that good. Just get by the moccasins tonight. Isn't that Tennessee Chattanooga's name, the moccasins? Well, I guess they're just called the mocks, but that is short for the moccasins. So let's go. Let's go, Paladins. I'm on your side tonight. Now, we had one interesting thing that uh, might have changed in the rankings over the weekend. Now, I don't know why it took this past weekend to do it, but Joe Lenardi, ESPN's bracketologist, has moved UCLA to the one line and dropped Purdue to the two line, which is what we talked about at the end of last week. I don't know why it took them beating Arizona for that to happen, because Purdue's lost five of their last nine. They barely escaped yesterday after blowing a 20-point lead against Illinois. I don't know what more UCLA had to do. They're 27-4. and four. They're 18-2 and two in the Pac-12, four games clear of second place. So if you go 27-4 and four and 18-2 and two in one of the better conferences in college basketball, no, it's not the Big Ten. Well, the Big Ten just beats up on each other because they have four teams sitting at 11-8 and eight before yesterday in conference play. UCLA was 18 and 2 in the Pac-12. Second place was Arizona, and they were 14 and 6. I don't know why it took UCLA beating them and avenging their loss in Tucson earlier this year to get a number one seed, but they absolutely should be a number one seed. 
And looking at UCLA, they have four losses, two in conference to SC in Arizona and two back-to-back in non-conference. I want to say it was Illinois is one of them, and I'm blanking on the other one. But they lost two in a row in non-conference and then two in a row during conference, and that's it. Two two-game losing streaks, 27-4. and four. They will be the probably the number one seed in the West, as it should be, because they are a team that could absolutely cut down the nets in Houston on April 3rd. Really like this UCLA team, and I'm just having a real hard time. I know that these conferences that play each other all have, like, good teams, and, you know, the Big Ten's probably going to get eight or nine teams in, even though seeds two through seven all lost eight conference games this year. It's ridiculous. Now, at least they went 11 and 9 or 12 and 8 in conference. These teams that finished under 500 in their conference, I don't understand why there's so much of a lock to get in. West Virginia, they're like 18 and 14 and they're 7 and 11 in the conference. I'm sorry, if you can't go 500 in your conference, you're not getting any sort of automatic bid, at least for me you're not. I don't understand why this is just Automatic. Four games under in your own conference? Yes, the Big 12 was probably the best basketball conference in the nation this year. But you went 7-11. and 11. I, I don't know if that's good enough for me. And they also have 13 losses or so. I just... 18-13 and, and an under five... Four games under 500 in the conference? Why is that an automatic bid? Not automatic, but why are they getting an at-large bid? You know, it'll never happen. If the Paladins happen to lose tonight to Chattanooga and the Paladins, you know, 20 it would finish 26 and 8 and 17 and 4 in the conference if you count all the conference tournament games, they'd never get an at-large bid. Should they? Yes. But then the argument is, well, look at their overall wins. It's like, yes, but nobody wants to play them. Because there's no benefit for a Power 5 conference to either play a team like Furman or play a top team from a mid-major in the non-conference, either at home or on the road. If you're at home and you beat them, it's like, great, you should beat them. If you go on the road and lose, it's like, well, you lost to them on the road. You know, It's, it's why these mid-majors always have a gripe that we don't just get a chance to rack up quad one wins and quad two wins because once we get in conference play which is 18 to 20 games of our 32 game schedule or whatever that's we're playing a bunch of teams that aren't quad one or quad two so we can't get any wins no matter how much we schedule in the preseason and then you look about preseason it's like sometimes teams take longer to gel and they're not playing better until the end of the season so it's always been my gripe with the tur- with the committee. I'm sure I'll have gripes again of teams getting in over other teams. We shall see. Liberty lost to Kennesaw State yesterday, so they are not going to get in, but they're a team that was sitting there, 25, 26 wins, and they're not going to get in the tournament now because they lost their conference tournament game, which happened to be on the home court of Kennesaw State Owls. So, should you know, it's like, should they be penalized for that? Probably not, but they're going to. They're headed straight to the NIT. They're not getting an at-large bid. So it sucks for them. It sucks for all mid-majors in college basketball. It's my biggest gripe every year come the tournament. But then once the brackets come out, I'll be like, okay, I feel sorry for them for about 10 seconds. And then I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's see what my first-round upsets are. So 
We're going to talk more conference tournament action tomorrow on the podcast. I'll definitely talk about if the Paladins won or not. If they do win, I'll see who Joe Lenardi has them playing in the mock brackets that are out after that game is played tonight. So I can't wait. I cannot wait uh, for tonight's game and, and the outcome. Man, if you just if you just love underdogs and you love good stories, cheer for Furman tonight. I mean, how can you not? Like they literally got beat on a forty foot chuck at the buzzer last year, and these guys came back to play so they could go to the tournament, and they are one game away against the team that beat them last year and survived survived last night against the Leathernecks from Western Carolina. They almost probably should have lost. They blew a 20-point second-half lead. Oh, that was scary. I was biting my nails, and I have no ties to Furman whatsoever. None. Anyway, watch that game tonight, and we'll be talking about it tomorrow, among other things, in college basketball action. Thank you very much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.